Hey everyone, Mundo here. If you would like to support the show, please head to patreon.com slash crimeandcourtusa. Yo, what's up everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of Crime and Court USA. I'm recording this on December 15th, 2021. I'm your host, Moon Carrillo. I hope you guys are doing well. Me, I've been doing all right. You know, I'm doing fine. It's a little cold now. I don't like cold weather. It's like 34 degrees and the sun's out, but you know what? Other than that, I'm doing just all right. First off, I should say that my heart goes out to all the people affected by tornadoes that have hit the middle and southern part of the United States. Last I checked, over 60 people had died as a result of those tornadoes, and that's a lot. That's very sad. So, um, yeah, my heart goes out to everyone out there affected by those devastating storms. Let's just get into some news here, guys, Shelly. So, first off, I should clarify something I said last week. I said that Jennifer Crumley, who is the mother of Ethan Crumley, the high schooler charged in the shooting at Oxford High School in Michigan. I said during the show that the day before the shooting, he got caught looking up ammunition on his cell phone. She had texted him that he needs to learn how to not get caught. I said she told him that he needs to learn how to get caught. Not the case. She said he needs to learn how to not get caught. And then, of course, the very next day he fired and killed four of his schoolmates. And Jennifer and her husband, James, are now charged with four counts of manslaughter in that incident. So just a little clarification there. I'm sure I'm sure you guys caught on anyway. Like no mother's gonna tell her son to get it, to get caught, how to not get caught. Anyhow, another update. Of course, on the day that I published the last episode, Juicy Smollier <laughs> Jesse Smollett was found guilty of five of the six charges he faced. In his case, he was uh, convicted of five counts of disorderly conduct, one for each time he made a false police report. That jury deliberated for just over nine hours. Small yay. <laughs> I can't help say it like that after that Dave Chappelle special. Anyways, Smollett does face prison time on these convictions, but experts, so-called experts, and myself included, believe that he'll be placed on probation I mean, whatever, just a victimless crime here, I guess. Ultimately, all he really did was waste the cop's time. Anyhow, just to kind of recap that case, he, uh, he, I guess, faked, (laughs) completely faked this incident where in Chicago, uh, he claimed that in January of 2019, he was walking around late night in Chicago and he was attacked by white dudes with Make America Great Again hats who were calling him racial and gay slurs and put a noose around his neck and threw bleach on him later came out that he lied and so he got charged with that and now he's convicted of it so we'll see what he gets probably just has to clean up a park or something like that (laughs) be placed on probation we'll see i doubt he's ever going to be on tv again he was of course in empire which i saw the first season of and not a bad show not bad i don't even know if it's on anymore i doubt it but yeah it wasn't bad in its first season i think it actually lasted a while so i missed a lot of it anyways it's always nice when something happens the day I publish an episode. So <laughs> there you go. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So Glaine Maxwell's trial. She's accused of helping financier Jeffrey Epstein commit horrible, horrible sex crimes on lots of young women. 
so the prosecution has arrested in her case that happened on friday december 10th after only two weeks of trial apparently that's going rather quickly they thought it was gonna last a lot longer at least the prosecution's case so we might get a verdict in that one sooner than anyone had expected but we'll see there's an interesting request from her defense team her lawyers had asked the judge that three of the witnesses that are going to testify in her defense testify anonymously now that's not crazy in fact three accusers there are this case centers around four accusers who accuse uh maxwell of helping jeffrey epstein sexually abuse them and oftentimes sexually abusing them herself taking part in the abuse but three of those four women testified anonymously two of them testified under pseudonyms one just used her first name and not her last name and then finally the fourth one used her real name she has been public about this anyways so that's not crazy and in fact i've talked about several cases on this podcast where people have testified anonymously in fact r kelly's case there was anonymous witnesses in that case but for some reason the defense is asking that some of these defense witnesses testify anonymously which is strange that's not a normal request the attorney didn't say why she's requesting that but we'll see the testimony isn't expected to pick back up until thursday which is the day this podcast goes live so i won't have any further updates on this case oh, that's weird that there, there was kind of a, like a three four five day gap there plenty of time for the jury to forget everything they just heard but <laughs> i don't know why there's such a big gap so yeah, all four witnesses or all four of the alleged victims t- testified basically that Maxwell had facilitated Epstein's abuse. That's another theme with these two with Epstein and Maxwell was that they sort of bought these women's trust and Epstein would kind of play this game of like acting like he wanted to help them with their careers and their education. Oh, I can help you. Uh, I can send you to this school or I can help you with this or whatever, right? They'd buy their trust and ultimately they would sexually abuse them and yeah, all four of these women basically testified that Maxwell facilitated that abuse. And going back to the trusting, one of these victims said she looked up to Maxwell as a like a sister. Although there was a pretty big age difference, she was fourteen and Maxwell was well, I don't know, she was a lot older. But yeah, you know, it's just like buying trust, facilitating the abuse. There, there are some common themes here. It's not clear yet what kind of defense her team will mount, other than maybe going after the credibility of the witnesses but as far as who's going to testify like for her in in her defense i don't know we'll see what they have to say what the strategy is there that's what's coming next just some defense defense witnesses and then closing arguments and then it goes to the jury let's keep an eye on that all right the other trial that i spoke of last week is that of kimberly potters she is accused of shooting 20 year old dante wright in brooklyn center minnesota back in april she just shot him point blank with the gun he, they were they were trying to arrest mr wright he had a warrant for missing a court date and in the middle of um another officer was trying to slap the old handcuffs on him he did get away and attempt to get into the driver's seat of his car she i guess the idea here is that she pulled out her handgun when she meant to pull out her taser and shot him and so that they charged her with um with manslaughter this week, a medical examiner, the, the same medical examiner that did the autopsy on right, said that he died of a single gunshot wound that hit him in the heart and that the wound was not survivable, I believe. Uh, after he was shot, he did da- drive down the road some ways and then crashed into another car. And then I believe he died on the scene. I mean, he got hit in the heart. That's usually pretty deadly. Now, her defense 
is saying that she had the right to use deadly force because Wright's actions were endangering other officers. We'll see. We'll see. My, my gut, my gut right now, folks, is that she will get convicted. We still have to see what kind of case her defense puts on and, and all that. And I haven't been watching this from gavel to gavel, as they say, but my, that's my initial feeling because she's being charged with with manslaughter, right? That that her actions led to someone's death, like not like super like she planned a murder or anything, right? So that's like a lower bar there. And as far as her defense saying that she had the right to do it because she was protecting other officers, basically, that that's that is probably the most used defense when it comes to officers using deadly force is that they felt their lives were in danger or they felt others' lives were in danger. I don't know if that cuts it anymore. I really don't. Just in these days with it, Everything has a camera on it, including, you know, the officers have their camera, everyone has their cell phone. It just captures a different story, and I don't know, it just seems like, in this case, you could watch the video, it's out there. She actually shot him with her gun. I mean, there was no, she wasn't planning, oh, I need to save people's lives. She meant to tase him. I really do think she meant to tase him. So, yeah, my gut tells me she'll get convicted, but we'll see. We'll see how this goes. All right, moving on. Derek Chauvin, the man who was convicted of killing George Floyd, a black man, in May of 2020, has pleaded guilty to federal charges surrounding the case. So, yes, again, Mr. Chauvin was convicted of killing George Floyd in state court, in Minnesota state court, but at the same time, he was also charged with violating George Floyd's constitutional rights to be free of unreasonable seizure and to not face excessive force. That kind of stuff, you know, civil rights, constitutional rights, that, that happens in federal court. And uh, yeah, he pleaded guilty, which opens up, up for up to 25 years or possibly life in prison. The prosecutors did ask that he serve a 25-year sentence concurrent with this state sentence. He got sentenced to 22 and a half years in Minnesota prison for being convicted for the murder. And they're asking that he serve, be able to serve those concurrently, which before this before the deal was made official, I had figured that's that would be part of the deal is that he just serve the time on this one at the same time he serves his time on the the state crime. So that seems like that's what prosecutors are asking for. He'll be officially sentenced at a later date, so we'll see what the judge has to say. But um, yeah, that's not on that one. We'll have to wait for his actual sentencing hearing to see what he gets. He also faces another federal case. We're using a necessary force on a 14-year-old black boy back in 2017. No updates on that one. No no change of plea on that. He still has pleaded not guilty. So we'll see what he does in that one, being that he's going to be in prison for at least like 22 years. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to keep you guys updated on that. You know, Derek Chauvin, that's a that's a guy people are keeping an eye on. So just want to keep you all updated. All right, so I've been keeping my eye on these smashing grabs, these organized robberies that have been going on in California since like mid-November. And now the California AG, the Attorney General, Rob Bonta, says that they're part of some kind of organized crime ring where the foot soldiers are out there breaking into the stores and carrying out the crimes while other people are calling the shots from afar, which sounds, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. So there have been a lot of these just around California. Some of the biggest ones have happened in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. One of them, 80 people stormed a store in Walnut Creek. I believe it was a Nordstrom. Walnut Creek's uh, up there in the Bay Area, east of the Bay. And um, 
Yeah, that's nuts. 80 people. 80 people. I think an employee got pepper sprayed. And so the idea is that these crimes are being organized on social media and then carried out. So in this one, this is back in November when these 80 people, they all just went went into the store around closing time, just grabbed a bunch of crap, pepper sprayed somebody, and then fled in cars that were that were waiting outside. The attorney general said that those products or all these products are being sold online at a high markup. But 80 people, I mean, that's uh like what's your cut on that? Is is it even worth to take that risk? Maybe. I don't know. And I guess people are desperate, but that's a lot of freaking people. And the idea that someone else is calling the shots, like like some kind of crime boss, <laughs> like some kind of job on the hut, godfather situation is calling the shots. That's crazy. It's like something you see like the tracksuits do at Hawkeye or some shit. This is all done online too, which is also fascinating. It's this is a good stuff. I just I want to mention it. I might actually do like a bigger deep dive into this because it's semi-interesting. I mean, some of them are random, but some of them are like pretty high up there. And a lot of them are like on high-end stores, but some of them are also a mom and pop. It's it's actually from a crime observer perspective, quite fascinating, I got to say. It's quite fascinating. So um, yeah, I just, want, I just wanted to put that out there. It's very strange. I've never seen anything like this. People just storm, like 80, nearly 100 people storming into a store and just grabbing stuff off the rack, fleeing crazy stuff. So maybe I will, maybe I will do a deep dive. I just want to keep y'all posted on that one as well. All right, let's move on to the next one. Larry Nasser's victims have reached a $380 million sediment, sediment, settlement with USA Gymnastics and the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Nasser, a former doctor with Michigan State and the U.S. Olympic gymnastic team, is currently serving a life sentence for sexually abusing gymnasts and hundreds of victims have come forward. Some of his victims include gold medalists, Simone Biles, Ali Reisman, and Michaela Maroney. A mediator will determine how much each victim gets based on the length and severity of the abuse. That's according to the New York Times. Michigan State has already settled a lawsuit with victims for $500 million, and that is believed to be the biggest settlement by a public university in history. And, uh, this is also one of the biggest molestation cases in U.S. history, which is crazy. I didn't even really think about that until I read an article about this settlement. Yeah, I mean, hundreds of victims. I mean, this is a uh, this is high up there with from one guy. It's nuts, man. Really is nuts. That, and these girls were raped while representing their country as well. So this is all this is all just a messed up situation. But they will be getting a big payout from USA Gymnastics. All right, moving on, I want to update a story I told you about on the very first podcast I ever did back in April. Former NFL player Philip Adams had CTE in his brain when he gunned down six people, including two children, in South Carolina before killing himself. His brain was studied by Boston University researchers after his death, and the university made the announcement this week. The severity of the damage is being compared to Aaron Hernandez, Aaron Hernandez killed himself in prison after he was convicted of killing a man, execution style. So yeah, I just, I want to update on that one as well. Really, really sad. I mean, when these guys kind of, these former NFL players kind of do something crazy like this, it's almost like the guarantee that they had brain damage. Makes me, puts me in a tough spot as a football fan, because I'm a really, really big fan of football. I love football, but playing football can 
absolutely destroy your life. It could absolutely destroy your family. It could destroy other people's family. It wasn't related to these victims. A nine-year-old and a five-year-old got killed too. It's just, I don't know, man. You just, you hear these stories about people just completely changing, you know, after, after they get out of football. Junior Seau went from like a nice guy to a horrible person. Dave Dewerson of the 85 Bears, by all accounts, a really nice guy. And he took his own life as well. I believe he shot himself in the chest so that his brain could be studied. And according to people who knew him, he got angry as well. Towards the end of his life, he was just an angry guy, even though he was a totally nice guy during most of his life. So you just see uh, people just change. It's really sad. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what to do. Do we keep turning a blind eye to it? You know, do we keep watching football knowing that these people could be completely destroyed years from now? And this guy, Adams, he was only 32, man. That's younger than me. I'm 33. So, yeah, man, it's crazy. Crazy, crazy. All right, let's go on to the last story of the day. Tool drummer Danny Carey was arrested at the Kansas City Airport on... Airport. Jesus, it's hard to talk today. <laughs> the Kansas City Airport on a misdemeanor assault charge. He's accused of sticking two fingers into a security employee's chest while uttering a gay slur. You could probably guess the slur. It's the F1. Uh, I guess I just told you. Um, a video obtained by TMZ shows him getting arrested while being pushed up against a window. The officers tell him, one officer tells him to stop resisting. He's like wearing, he's wearing a Travis Kelsey shirt as he's getting arrested. It seemed to me like he was a little drunk. I don't know. I don't want to pass judgment on a fella. You know what I mean? But if you're asking me, which you didn't, but if you were, I'd say he looked a little drunk. Maybe little intoxicated on something i don't know much about danny carey other than he's one of the best drummers of all time dude's dope so yeah i don't want to say he's an angry drunk or anything but he looked a little angry and drunk to me uh he was released on bond and faces a fine of nearly fourteen thousand dollars just hours before this incident carey performed with the kansas university band Uh, he played a rendition of Jimi hendrix's fire it was dope it was fire if you ask me there's a video servicing of that as well pretty cool he's from kansas so that's kind of cool can you imagine just being in like a your band you know your college band and then daddy carrie comes and plays a song with you that's been pretty cool for those kids those adults i guess they're adults they're in university but uh, (laughs) yeah anyways so that is about all for this week guys thanks for listening share this podcast with your friends share with your enemies share with your homies Share it with your mates. Uh, help me spread the word of Crime and Court USA. Check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash USA. Throw me a few bucks a month if you can, but if not, you know I just appreciate you guys listening, man. All right, folks, until next time, my name is Mundo, and I'm out. Peace. <laughs>